Welcome to the Happiness Through Hardship podcast. This is our first episode of our first season, and I'm really happy to be here. This podcast has been a few years in the making, but honestly, it feels like I've been prepping for it my whole life. See, I've been talking on the phone since I was in the fifth grade. I've maintained long-distance friendships, coordinated bi-coastal business calls, interviewed a variety of doctors, and much, much more, all on the phone. My hope is to bring conversations into your home that help inspire you or even just bring a smile to your face. I found that no matter how hard things were going in my life, if I could find something to smile about, it instilled my day with a little bit of positivity and made it better. My goal initially with Happiness Through Hardship was to publish a book, which I did, and get it in the hands of cancer survivors and caregivers in order to help them have an easier time going through that awful, shocking first few weeks to months after a cancer diagnosis. That was the worst time in my cancer story, both after the first and second diagnoses. And if I could help make it easier for others, that was a service I wanted to provide. What I realized in reflection after the first few book events was that caregivers and friends reading this cancer guide got more out of it than I actually anticipated. While cancer was my hardship and many others too, other people have stress and anguish in their lives as well. Many of the stories in the book provided inspiration or maybe even a good laugh. Some of the tips helped others feel a little happier as well. Whatever the case may be, we could all use some additional love and support when we're going through a hard time. So this podcast is the next step in the evolution of happiness through hardship. While the book focused mainly on cancer patients and their caregivers, the goal of this podcast is to stretch beyond that niche and provide a little light, love, and joy during whatever journey you are on. I've told my husband many times that I want the world to be filled with more ticker tape parades and parties for no reason, which is why it's appropriate that our first episode does a bit of that. Our inaugural episode shares a story about how fireworks of confetti, a leather jacket, and hard times changed a woman's life, creating a happiness movement. I'm excited to talk with Yelena Aleksich about the Confetti Project. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to be here with you today, introducing Yelena Aleksich. She is the founder of the Confetti Project. Now, if you haven't heard of the Confetti Project, it's a photography experience that profiles humans that are doused in confetti. Now, it's not just about throwing confetti on each other, although that would be fun, right? It's also about celebrating and exploring the question, what do you celebrate in life? Now, she has photographed over three thousand people. And this project really has now evolved into a visual study on human identity. The goal is to provide a space that brings back um, the art of play, helping people really connect to being present in the moment and of course, celebrating yourself. Now, I will tell you that I am somebody, you know, I'm a glass half full kind of person. So when I heard about the Confetti Project, I'm like, hmm, this is really interesting because of course, you know, I love to celebrate the little things and and the big things, of course, too. So when I went in studio to meet Yelena, I was so 
positively surprised at how it wasn't just about let's take some beautiful photos and capture what Karen wants to celebrate. It was about connecting with me. It was about having a conversation to not just let me say what I was celebrating about, but also help me feel it. And thus, if you see the pictures with many, many people have, you can see that beauty in finding the moment and helping me not just connect with healing, but also having hope with my situation. And I know that she does this for so many other people. So hello and please welcome Yelena. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and, and to chat more. Connect. Well, like I said, uh, it's, it's an honor to have you here. And I want you to share a little bit in your words about the Confetti Project and how it evolved. Because today's episode, of course, is is not just about celebration, but it's about finding happiness when we've gone through hardship. And I know that, you know, unfortunately, you've been through some as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, essentially, it began with me quitting my job, which I think can probably be a catalyst for many people. And a bunch of things happened. I call them signs. Other people could see them as like random events. Okay. Uh, And, you know, I'm a firm believer that when I quit my job, I started paying attention to my life, to everything around me. And I started seeing all the synchronicities and the connections. And I think if you're really paying attention, you could see it too. And so the first sign was getting glitter bombed at a party, this gold, this gold glitter everywhere, uh, without consent. <laughs> and it was in my shower, in my bed, it was uh-huh. everywhere for, for weeks. And it kept making me think of that night. Uh, so I kind of stored that into my, you know, uh, my cat, my mental capsule. And then a few weeks went by and I went to see okay, go at the Bowery, this, okay. this band and you know, the confetti, when you're at a show, the confetti's like coming out of machines throughout it. And the entire floor was confetti. You couldn't see the floor. And so I thought, oh my God, what a beautiful mess. Anytime I would see confetti, I would always create a story in my head about what people were celebrating. And so I start hoarding it in the pockets of my leather jacket that I was wearing. Uh-huh. Probably gross confetti, let's be real. <laughs> and, uh, and then a few weeks went by. And I remember a very quintessential day in my twenties was one that was filled with angst, achievement, pressure, confusion. What is my purpose? You know, it's such a defining decade. And, uh, I was feeling sad that day. And so when I put the jacket on the slower jacket and I put my hand in the pocket and I found confetti in it, I was so pleasantly surprised. And it was really during this time where I realized that anything that could change your energy instantly is really powerful. And so I became really happy in that moment. And so I started reviewing all of these different signs and was like, well, it's nostalgic. It's emotive. What does confetti mean? I looked up the definition. It essentially means celebration. It's a symbol for celebration. Throw it up in a time of celebration. And, uh, And so that was the psychology part of me. And then the design part of me was like, let me find every photo online with confetti. Between those two things, having a clear formula, like confetti equals celebration, and, you know, an archive of every single photo that's ever been taken of confetti on the internet, I started seeing that I had something, that there was something here. I started asking people in Brooklyn, uh, what do you celebrate in your life? And 
you know, it was the first time I was inspired by my community, by people around me, people that weren't doing the nine to five different, you know, artists, creators. And every time I asked them that question with this PowerPoint of photos that I had <laughs> from my archive, it would always stop people in their tracks. And so essentially that's how I created the beginning of the confetti projects where I photographed 50 people in three months, um, in the hopes of designing a coffee table book. And so in those three months, I was having friends and then strangers, friends of friends come to my bedroom Uh and we would, for two hours, we would get deep with not just what you celebrate, but what do you love about yourself? How do you want to be remembered? Like all of these really deep, self-reflective, inquisitive questions mixed with the confetti and taking photos. And so that was me just honing the process. Um, But very early on, I realized that it was something that was bigger than me and that in our society that is so fast paced and achievement oriented, you know, we're always on the go. Life can go by so quickly. Like we need to have those moments of stop and pause and reflect. Um, And so five years later now, um, you know, it's, it's really gotten to the point where now I'm in a studio and it's been, you know, in a few other places besides New York. And like you mentioned, a few thousand people have participated in it. And, um, you know, it's essentially this notion that every moment is deserving of being celebrated because being alive is the celebration, you know? And so, um, yeah, that's pretty much the genesis of it. Well, it's beautiful. Uh, Can you, can you tell me, for yourself, I know you started this project, as you just told us, and it's evolved to be where it's at today. But between then and now, you have been through some hardship yourself. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? And I know um, that it hits really close to home. Yeah, I, I call this the the dark side of the sparkle, like the, the behind the scenes of, you know, because a lot of the time when people think of confetti and they're like, oh, it's rainbows and it's happy and all of that. And that's beautiful to have that association. But, um, you know, the, the backbone of the confetti project is, you know, six months in my uh, father being diagnosed with lung cancer. And so for an entire year, I call it my year of cancer and confetti because I was either you know, honing this process, having, you know, dousing people in confetti in my bedroom, probably a hundred people that year. Okay. Um, or I was going back home and being on the front line of helping my dad fight for his life. And so it was such a, you know, in hindsight, I'm really grateful that it happened the way that it did, because I don't think anything is a coincidence. You know, I think, um, I was meant to have like birth this project and kind of discovered it right before his diagnosis because you know we think that cancer and confetti are like on the opposite sides right. of like the extremes of like the human condition but being so intertwined within them i really got to sit in the middle of it and see the silver lining of it and realize that you know our pain and our pleasure as much as we would love to put them in like corners they're always going to be intertwined, like no matter what. So you, you can't choose what you're grateful for you and you can't choose how things are going to happen and in what way. So you have to be grateful for it all. And so, um, within that year, it was, I was 26 and it was definitely, um, I don't know. I think anyone that's experienced, uh, the, the, a loved one having this diagnosis, you know, you're just trying to survive. <laughs> like right. just, One foot in front of the other. 
yeah, there's so much of the unknown, you know what I mean? Like, you know, yes, there's statistics and there's a black and white way of seeing things, but, um, you know, you're just trying to be as selfless as possible to, you know, be there for that person because as hard as it is for you, it's harder for them because they're the ones that are going through it. Um, and so at the end of the year, um, my, my father ended up passing away. And so since then, um, you know, this project has really been, uh, not just for him, but has actually been my therapy, um, in, you know, being in a space that is all about cultivating celebration in all of our moments, even the, you know, the messy ones, the losses, the, the suffering, the pain, um, has really helped me within my, my grief journey as well. And so, you know, since then, there have been multiple people even that have been part of the project that aren't with us anymore. And, you know, I've been in the position where I've given their grieving family and friends, their confetti photos and additional ones that I, that I bring up and to be the last person to have taken photos of them and not just regular photos, like these photos that really commemorate like their spirit, right? Like what they stood for, what they celebrated, um, has been one of the most powerful, most meaningful parts about what I do. I mean, again, I feel like I'm speechless right now because that is the really the essence of you have created this, what might have started as a passion project, but has so much purpose for you in your grief and your healing, but also for helping others in whatever road that they're, that they're taken. Can you share with us for other people that are going through something similar that you did, whether it's the loss of a parent or it's just going through some hardship, can you give some advice on, you know, how to work on something or how to find something that might help them put one foot in front of the other like you did? Yeah, well, I think I think the biggest thing, like the precursor to that in terms of having a healthy relationship with adversity and challenge is acknowledging it. I think that's like the, the first thing being like, okay, yeah. I'm in a, I'm in a hard place. Like I'm feeling this way. These are my emotions. And I always like to tell myself two mantras before anything, just to kind of give myself perspective to not go so far down that rabbit hole, okay. you know, of, of, um, you know, feeling lost and such where a, I'm not the first one in the history of humanity that is going through something like this or feeling this way. And B it's, it, it's temporary. Like, even if it doesn't feel like it, even if there's no, you know, light at the end of the tunnel yet, or, you know, I remember feeling that way throughout the year. I was like, how long is this going to go? Like, what's going to happen? But knowing in the grand scheme of things that it's temporary, I think those two things are um, a really great mental exercise in seeing that challenge is character building. And it's also like experience expanding. Like that's the process that's happening, like underneath it all. I think in terms of, working through it, I think every single human should have their own arsenal of like different self-care things and also things to do. Like I even have a list of things when I'm feeling a certain way, what to do, because your mind isn't always a reliable narrator. Again, when you're in a survivalist mode, when you're in, you know, maybe you're really, the pendulum is really swinging back and forth between like fear and trust, you know, and you're, and you're coming from that, um, and, and really being challenged, like, like, like in a way that you've never been before. I think having these lists and just these things to fall back on 
when you're not in the best headspace is so vital. And so, you know, for me, I think just basic self-care. I mean, at this point, I have you know, different rituals in the morning, uh, different rituals at night. I think honestly, and this is a very recent thing, um, just waking up the first thing that you say being thank you. And also before you go to bed, the last thing you say being thank you to really just create that, that gratitude to remind yourself that there are always blessings, even if it doesn't feel like it, you know, um, again, I'm going to be honest about this and say that these are not all things that I per se implemented when I was, you know, going through that year of cancer and confetti because, um, you didn't know, right. You were just putting one foot in front of the other. Right. And it's very easy. Like, you know, after the fact to be like, I could have done, you know, X, Y, Z, but again, like it's such an unknown. Like, I feel like if, if you could see me right now, like I always tell people the visual of what it felt like that year is like, if I was like in this, like, uh, this position of just like shaking and also just being in fetal position because you don't know, like you're just hanging on to whatever you can hang on with. But I don't know. I, I would really advise people to the things that make you forget about time, the things that make you like forget about maybe your story for a second or to get you out of your head and to put the energy more in your body are probably the most soothing things, you know? So whether that means going out for a run, you know, to really create that mind body connection to, you know, make it stronger. Or one of my, some of my favorites are escapism into other people's stories. So, you know, watching a film or reading a book or, you know, something like that. Um, Or just the general notion of being in service. You know, I really believe that during that year when my dad was dying, anytime I did anything confetti related, I really felt like I was holding space for that person and kind of gifting them this. And it really allowed me to get out of the cancer, like war slash, you know, uh, being on the front lines of that, of that battle, you know? And so that to me, like those moments were such refuge for me. I, I love, there's so many things you just said that I love. I love the idea of having an actual list, not just a mental list, because like you said, when you were going through whatever hardship you're going through, you're probably going through shock. You're feeling such a range of emotions, or maybe you're just so numb that you just don't know. You're not thinking the same way. And so having a a handheld list is, is great. Having rituals also, like to your point, maybe when it happened, you didn't have the rituals, but now, you know, you're a few steps further, many, a few years further than you were then. And now you know that those could be an element of self-help or self-care that could really, that could really help when somebody else is going through the hardship, whether it's the same thing that, that you went through or it's something different. Now, I'm guessing that now that you've photographed, you know, over 3,000 people, there've likely been somebody who's gone through a similar, similar circumstance as you. And just like in life, sometimes we show up to an event or we're working with someone who's going through something so similar to what we went through in our hardship. And it's, it's hard not to relate. And sometimes we go into like a little rabbit hole of, oh my gosh, I'm back. I'm I'm feeling those feelings again. Can you share with us uh, what's helped you cope when you're brought back into this, um, this feel, you, feeling some of those feelings that you may have earlier on 
whether it was him, you know, going through what he went through or when he passed away? Yeah. I believe that everything that happens in our life is meant to happen. Like we're never given something that we can't handle. Okay. And so I think that when my dad died, I'm I'm not going to lie. I actually felt like a lot of relief. And I think a lot of people can, can relate to that when they see someone that they love, like in a lot of pain and like agony and, you know, their, the, the slow deterioration of, of who they were. And so after, after he died, I started meeting people that, as I like to call them, that are also part of the dead parents club. And it, you know, th- again, these are the synchronicities that you can't make up where, you know, I met someone whose dad died the exact same day as my dad, Oh wow! you know, through the confetti project. And then, you know, my, even one of my best friends, her father passed away exactly six months before mine, but in a very opposite way of like a very sudden, unexpected fast death. Um, and so I actually love meeting people that have experienced what I've experienced. And I do feel like there's a special kinship with someone who has gone through grief, um, and loss, like in the way that I have. All right. That's, that's beautiful. And and in a sense, it's a way to continue to honor your father as well. Yeah, definitely. So can you tell us a little bit about your life today? What are you doing? You personally, I'd love to hear a side, uh, you know, a side story to share with the listeners. Like, like, who are you outside of this? It's all a part of you. I know it's encompassing, but are there any like fun hobbies that you have or is there any information that we might not find if we just Googled the confetti project? Mm, um, I would say, I mean, you're right. It's so connected to who I am, the confetti project, but I love immersing myself into, like I mentioned before, different stories. I think ultimately I've realized that like I'm a storyteller myself. And so I have uh, this challenge um, where I'm watching every single Oscar movie that's ever been nominated, like ever. Ever nominated. Wow. Ever. Yeah. So it actually started when my dad was sick that year uh, where essentially Oscar season is like in the winter, you know, it's like from November and then the Oscars are in February. And so it started out as like a coping, but B, I hate my loathing for the winter. So I also like to make challenges out of things. I think that's just like the type A overachieving personality in me. And, uh, and so now it's my sixth year of doing it every winter, you know, like really making it, you know, into this kind of like puzzle of like what's going to be nominated and really immersing myself in amazing stories, you know? Um, and so, and then in the off season, like where I'm at right now, I go backwards. So, you know, the Oscar started in 1924. So I'm in the 90s now. And so, you know, it's over 3000 films, you know, yeah. that I'm watching. I also wasn't allowed to really watch TV growing up, having two, you know, Eastern European immigrant parents that only, you know, stressed education and being really uh, good in school. And so that definitely fostered my imagination for my love of literature and just loving stories in general. That's all I had. But um, yeah, that's that's something that I like to do. I also read a book a week. So I'm constantly immersing myself in, in other people's stories. And, you know, it's interesting. A lot of the time when you follow you know, just your intuition and just, you know, you just kind of go with your passions, things start to show up and you start to see why you're doing it. And it gives you this bigger perspective on it. So for instance, with these Oscar movies, I just thought I love film. 
I learned so much from visual storytelling. I love how stories are formed in this way. And then it dawned on me last year, like, why am I watching all these movies? And then I realized I'm going to make a movie about my dad's life. I'm doing the research now of like getting my 10,000 hours in. And, you know, I have so much research, um, uh, just data about my dad. And I actually would recommend this to anyone that's, that's listening because even before my dad got sick, I was constantly recording him. I was constantly taking notes about what he was saying, the stories that he was telling me, the, the generosity of the knowledge he was instilling in me. And I really urge everyone to do that with people in their life. You know, there's a lot of power in documentation. And so now I have hours of conversations on record with him. I have so many different things like, you know, that I've written again, like I call it data. And so, uh, it's this really beautiful thing now where, uh, I'm realizing why I'm doing the challenge and you know, what that'll take me later on in life within filmmaking. So I guess that's like a a weird habit that I have. No, I, I I love it. As you're saying this, I wrote down podcast with my parents because Mm. there's something really beautiful about hearing someone's voices. Now I remember watching video of my grandparents when I was kids and at the time they were, they were still alive. Uh, as we've, and maybe it was just technology then versus now it's a lot harder to watch those and, and they're, you know, clearly not in HD. So it's, you don't see it as clear, but through audio, it does sound very similar. And so I, um, I, did you say that you call your data dad, duh? <laughs> no, but that's amazing. That's I what I thought that. you were saying. It oh was your, my God. because it's data that's on awesome. your dad. So it's data. Yeah. Right. I love it. So, well, I would, I would love, I I would love for you to keep us all posted on where you go with that. But I, um, I will tell you, I am a a recent believer of this whole, not trying to push, 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 push to figure things out. My whole life, I've been so, you know, type A that I thought I had to do all the hard work and that I needed to have the goal right then and there. Now it's important to have goals, but to your point, sometimes if we're doing many times, if we're doing things that we love and just giving ourselves some space, you know, these projects or these ideas, especially creative ideas will come to us. And that's something I've been really enjoying, you know, specifically in the last year is where I've given myself space to just be. And I think that, you know, that's important when you're going through hardship too, is, is you got a lot of to do's oftentimes, but if you can ever give yourself some space, you might be able to find a little bit of at least calm there. Definitely. I I feel like it's, it's a nice balance, right? I think, you know, opening, having these goals and also being in a place where you're open and receptive and then letting the organicness of that happen. You know, I'm very similar. Like I, uh, you know, also the way I was brought up like you were, your value was in your achievements, you know, and I love my to-do list, like literally checking off my to-do list. I get such a thrill. Like I I understand that. Yeah. And I've realized it's really not about the end result. A lot of the time, it's way more about the process getting there, you know, because the end result always changes, you know, it's like through the process of getting there or once you get there, then there's another goal, right? Another, another peak of a mountain. And it's really so much more about process. And it really goes into the notion that, you know, and, and I do this as well. We can always, um, kind of hold off on our, on our joy 
by putting these parameters on it. So for instance, like, oh, if until I make this happen, then I could let out a breath and be happy or until I have X in my bank account or I weigh X amount of pounds, then I could really live, you know, but like right now counts, you know, like all of these, even in the most simple mundane moments really count, you know, it's that combination of all those things, you know, that lead to those results, but it's never really about that. It's always about what we learn getting there. And that's something I'm learning as well. Well, and, and <laughs> so. again, we're speaking from the same, you know, from, from the same place here in that I, I agree for years, it wasn't about the process. It was about the achievement, but to your point, you get there and then there's always something else. So the, another, when it comes to this topic, I've also thought a lot about how do you feel when you get to that achievement, right? And I think that's what you do with the confetti project is you're going there to celebrate. It doesn't necessarily have to be something huge or, or some really, really big achievement. Go there and celebrate life. Go there and celebrate whatever it is that might be on your mind and that you're there and you're, and you're thriving or you're thinking or you're doing whatever it might be. And, and that we feel great when we've got confetti thrown all over us. So, you know, insert whatever your goal might be you know, you want to lose five pounds, you want to launch a successful podcast, you want to write a book, you want to, you know, create a movie. How do you feel when you get to that big achievement? How can we try and feel that way in the present? And that's what what I love. I I believe that part of, from the few people I know that have done the Confetti Project as long as myself, is that you really have this sense of being present and enjoying that moment when you're there. So thank you for that. Can you tell us what you are working on now? What's going on with the Confetti Project as we move forward? Yeah, well, it's actually, you're catching me at a really interesting time because it's, I'm making a massive transition and I like to think of it as the next chapter, Confetti, the Confetti Project 2.0. I've basically, you know, it's five years old now. I've produced 50 open studios, which, uh, you know, or essentially I open the studio up to the public and, you know, twice a month and it's these mini confetti sessions, which is how we met. Right. Um, right. And it's so funny, actually, it's so beautiful how I remember people through the photos. So I think of you with that beautiful magenta dress on that you wore with like the purple backdrop and yeah. the red. It's so like, that's the, the image I have associated with you now, which is so amazing. Uh, just a side note, but yeah, you know, I have actually you know, in December of the end of 2019, I, you know, had finished the 50th open studios and, uh, it was a massive milestone, but honestly it was a little bittersweet because while it is it admirable that I produced 50 events by myself, you know, and, you know, I've met hundreds of people and, yes. you know, done this. Um, I knew that, with how, where I wanted to take the confetti project. And, you know, I always think like biggest dreams possible. And then I like work my way, you know, into steps to getting there. Okay. Um, and I knew that it would never be able to continue in, in the way that I wanted with it just being by myself. You know, I have a very hard time asking for help. I, you know, being entrepreneurial, you learn so many different things and you kind of need to know how to do a little bit of everything, at least in the beginning. And so, um, I kind of realized I need a team. Like I have to, um, 
I can't keep doing it the way that I'm doing it because I felt that I was jeopardizing my self-care and my wellness and also coming from a place of fear of like, will they like me? Who will find value in this? How am I going to pay rent next month? You know, all these different kind of fear-based um, like questions and decision-making. And so I took January and February off and now I'm kind of getting out of my cocoon, which is really uh, exciting. And I really began to think about why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, you know, we all have a why. Simon Sinek has an amazing book called Start With Why. Right. And it's really asking your question, like, what cause, belief, do, movement do you champion? You know, like, why are you here? You know, what's important to you? And it was really great to kind of rewind and go back to that of, like, why I started this. And really an implemented team. Now I have two, you know, team members with me. Okay. And to really begin to start doing very mission driven work, you know, so from starting in April, we're going to be doing open studios and also, uh, doing open hours, which is just the experiential format, which is a big step for me in the sense of taking it, like not having the photos be something that's synonymous because I truly believe that the confetti project is more than photos and yeah. it's way deeper than just the confetti. Uh, and every single month we'll be doing a social series, um, a campaign that touches upon either a stigmatized topic or a marginalized community. And we'll be doing, uh, we'll be producing a series with it and doing uh, weekly circles, community circles with it, doing, you know, a podcast series with, with the people that are in the series. The next one is going to be about grief. And so we'll be, I just get so excited thinking about grief circles, like every single week in the studio and really talking about uh, this topic that we all either have experienced or will experience, you know? Um, and so, yeah, there's different things in the works like that, you know, in terms of video podcast, also having, uh, you know, products coming out and also working on a big scale, uh, uh, Institute, basically a celebration therapy Institute, you know? So there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff happening. I have no idea how it's going to unfold, but all I know is that my intentions are really pure, you know, my passion, I'm, I'm re refueled. Like I, have become a morning person now <laughs> and because of this passion. And I always tell people there's no substitute for passion. So if you could find things that you're passionate about, like they will take you places that you could have never imagined. And, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much where I'm at right now with the confetti project. I can hear it in your voice. It's really, <laughs> it, I mean, and from everything that I've ever heard about you is like you take something, especially with this, and you go and you go get it. And so it's really exciting that you've got this vision. And, you know, it sounds like you've got somewhat of a plan to see where it's going to take you. So thank you for sharing that. Where can people, if they want to follow what's going on, where is the best place for them to connect with you guys? Yeah, uh, the most live, I guess, on uh rolling kind of space is uh the instagram so it's the confetti project um with underscores between each word okay. we also have a website the confetti project.com uh along with facebook as well but yeah it's pretty much those three three platforms where you can get in touch with us and check out all the celebration stories so can you play a game with me i'd love to end our our interviews where I play what's called the grateful game. Now, it sounds like obviously from our conversation today, I know that you really tap into gratitude. And as I am a mother trying to raise a happy and grateful son, we started what we call the grateful game a few years ago. 
Now, as I think I've said to people before, I think his interest really is because he didn't want to go to bed. And right. And so he's just trying to spend more time. However, it is turned now into our evening routine. And I know, like, as you were saying earlier, that it's always great when you're going through hardship or really just in the day to day to be able to have some sort of routine that you can stick to, especially when it comes to gratitude. So this is how it goes. If you're willing to play. Of course. I, um, one of the two of us, my son or I would start out, we'd give each other two minutes and then we'd have to say what we're grateful for and why. And then whoever has the most wins. But in our case, since I know you're not trying to drag out me to stay like late at night, uh, like he does, I will, I'll kick it off and it can be anything random that you're grateful for. And I'll go for a minute and then I'll toss it to you. And if you get more than me, you win. And, but like I always say, like we all win when we connect with things that make us smile. So anyway, I will start out. So I am grateful that I have my good earth tea sitting next to me. I have been drinking this tea well, I was drinking it as a kid. It's really cinnamony and it tastes sweet, although there's no sugar in it. And I lost track of it for years. But then two years ago, I decided I wanted to drink more tea because I don't drink coffee. And I Googled it and I found that the Good Earth Tea still exists. So uh, my why is because I like it. And it also makes me think of childhood. So I'm grateful for the Good Earth Tea. I am grateful for... My girlfriends, they texted me today. They actually asked me if I wanted to substitute and play tennis with them. However, um, as much as my dad used to tell me when I was a kid that I would be a really great tennis player if I practiced more, I found out that um, my sister, he used to say that to her all the time too. So I might not be such a great tennis player. I love the fact that my friends were trying to get me to come in and play with them. Uh, and because of that connection, them texting me to ask that question, we decided that after the tennis game, we were going to uh, either grab um, a bite to eat or take a walk together. So I am grateful for that text and that um, and that call today. So I guess I'm at two. So I will throw it to you. Now tell us what you're grateful for. I'll start off with something nourishing as well, just like you did. Um, I am really grateful for the little meal prep uh, boxes that Amazon has at Whole Foods. Oh, yeah. I have a massive block when it comes to cooking. Like for some reason, I just blank and, you know, my it's, you know, I have a anxiety filled relationship with food most of the time. And, uh, last night I was able to make myself a meal and, you know, it becomes my, this like meditation for me. And I feel so connected to the food and I feel capable of creating sustenance for myself and my loved ones. And so I'm really grateful for that because it's like a little stepping stone between you know, ordering something and not cooking and, you know, starting from scratch and like, you know, figuring out what it is and buying it yourself. So I'm really grateful for that. I am grateful for, honestly, this sounds very like ambiguous and a little, you know, cliche, but, you know, having watched someone I love, you know, slowly die, I'm so grateful for my body. I'm so grateful that my legs allow me to run and that my mind allows me to think and, you know, that I've, I've been, um, 
I've been trying to move every day and I'm very sore, specifically my calves and my shoulders. And I'm, I'm so grateful for it because our bodies are such miracles and there's so many things happening simultaneously that allow us to have the quality of life that we have. And so I'm really grateful for this, um, for this new phase of consistently moving my body every day and having it be really robust and powerful and healthy and, you know, putting it to, to good use, um, and not just being in front of my computer screen, which I have a tendency to do. Um, yeah, that's. I guess I'm at two as well. All right, so we tied. <laughs> but I, I love the fact that uh, I, I like you. I, I have a tendency. I get in my work and then I get excited about it. And so, uh, it, sometimes it's hard to get up. But moving in any way, shape, or form, there's so many studies, especially as it relates to breast cancer, about the importance to prevent reoccurrence, further disease, is to get up and move. You know, thirty to sixty minutes of just you know power walking in itself is a great, you know, is great, so great for your body, but also for your mind as well. Totally. I recommend uh, walking if you can, when the sun is going down. It's such a beautiful way to be around, like when the light leaves the day and it becomes night, um, which is what I did yesterday. I I completely agree. Well, I, I love that. And because I you know, we both live on the East Coast and we're near water. It's, if you can get near water, it, it could be a pond, it could be a lake, wherever you are. I mean, for me, that's, that's um, my love is the water. I know a lot of people, maybe their love is the mountains too, but getting outside and connecting with nature is, you know, it really can give you a ton of zenful moments. So, well, thank you for playing the grateful game with me. And thank you so much for sharing your story, talking about, you know, really intimate topic, but then how you, you know, built something beautiful through it. So, um, I am really excited about, you know, keeping our connection. Hopefully I will, um, I'll be able to be in one of your studios again. And for all those out there, you know, check out the confetti project to figure out, you know, a way that you may want to celebrate yourself or learn more about some of the projects that they are working on socially. I will sign off now, but I wanted to say I'm incredibly grateful for you coming on today. And, you know, we will be in touch. Thank you so much. It was truly such an honor. I'm definitely endorphined out from this conversation. So thank you for that. (laughs) You heard us do the grateful game at the end of this episode. And here is why. After my second diagnosis, I started to research who was thriving with cancer and what they were doing to be well. I learned that wellness isn't about spending hours at the gym or going on a one superfood diet or getting away on a long exotic retreat. It's about creating everyday practices that help improve your body and mind toward a state of good health. I found eating well and adding more fitness to my life understandable. It was the mindfulness component that took a little longer to find the right tools to work for me. Eventually I did, And this is what I do today. It's basically this gratitude game. Knowing that a gratitude practice has been shown to make people happier, improve their relationships, and provide some health benefits, I wanted to include it in this episode and some others to provide a simple tool that can help bring some laughs and good vibes, especially when done with loved ones. Now, if you're looking for more healthy tips, follow me on Instagram at prettywellness or prettywellness.com. Those are our platforms about taking small steps towards better health. 
And of course, if you know someone recently diagnosed with cancer or their caregiver, the book titled the same name as this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship, is available where books are sold and on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Thanks again for joining us today. Please subscribe and rate the Happiness Through Hardship podcast and tune in every Wednesday for new episodes. I'm sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now.